You're listening to Taxpayers Australia's News and Insights podcast, Tax Wrap. Hello, listeners. Welcome to Tax Wrap podcast episode 107. I'm Steve Burnham. I'm ably joined by Dennis. Hello. Hello. And Letty. Hi, Steve. And, and um, happy Australia Day this week. That's right. Yes, of course. Yeah, we've all got something to celebrate, I hope. And uh, um, hopefully some of that's uh, the superannuation changes that are looming over us all. I, I don't know. It's a bit confusing for me. It's... Uh, Apart from the fact that there's a lot of money involved and that I've got skin in the game, it's um, I want to know what to do to be prepared. Definitely a <laughs> can you two help out? A confusing superannuation landscape is certainly very Australian. Well, that's true. <laughs> if we have anything to celebrate on Australia Day, it's just confirmation of where we're at. Yeah, I guess. Well, you know, the superannuation system is something that we've got to be proud of. I mean, that's another, another thing we have to be proud of, exactly. and uh, hope. I mean, the idea was uh, to make this system better. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But then, look. Well, I just want to get making the system better. Do you remember not so long ago they had a simpler super push? It's, yeah. it's gone to be anything but that, it seems. It's, uh, that's seemed to have been forgotten about largely. But look, I don't know. I mean, like I said, I'm confused. So what? tell me, what, what is the story? Well, in comparison, the, the rules that uh, were passed about 10 years ago were simpler compared to what's going to be um, next financial year. Right. So I guess uh, they're simpler in retrospective now. So this, the re- previous reforms that have actually earned their name. Oh, I see. But then again, look, with the complexity of the rules coming into force on the 1st of July, um, what now we have is um, guidance being issued, um, although only in a draft f- form from the commissioner. That's right. They've issued law companion guidelines, you were telling me. What, what are they? Yeah, so essentially these guidelines are um, explain the commissioner's approach to administering the law. Right. So okay. that's, that's their main purpose. It's uh, almost the commissioner's view on the law as it will stand well, in this particular instance, on the 1st of July and forward. So these are all coming in from the July 1 this year, 2017? Well, the, the rules, majority of the rules are operating from the 1st of July. Right. We have we have a few things such as CGT relief, which are relevant right now. Ah. Yeah, but then uh, there, is a, there is lots of interplay, interplay between the current rules and the, f- and the, and the new rules coming into force. Mm. But let's, um, let's sort of get into nitty-gritty of it. Yes, so Dennis, as we all know, the $1.6 million cap is the term that's been bandied around a lot in the last mm. few months. That's mm. probably one of the most substantial and controversial changes in the superannuation law. Well, could I just say we've had a little poll on a, on a newsroom site uh, asking what is the biggest issue, and that the $1.6 million is the biggest issue, it seems to be, out there among Certainly. trustees and members. It's definitely causing a lot of confusion. So uh, so to have some ATO guidance as to how they would interpret the law is definitely going to be informative reading for us. So we see that the ATO has given us Law Companion Guide LCG 2016-D9 in draft form about this balance cap. So, Dennis, could you tell us a little bit about this? Well, essentially, the the guideline sort of outlines, again, the concepts explained already in explanatory memorandum. I mean, it, it adds additional details and examples, but essentially it explains how this balance cap, uh, transfer balance account and transfer balance cap work. So, um, like, the main idea is as the bill says, is to limit the amount of capital which goes into the pension mode. So let's say 
let's say a member of superannuation fund has accumulated funds. Hmm. That's that's called capital in this instance. So the the idea is to limit how much of those funds that capital can go into pension phase. And there are different reasons for, for this limit. I mean, the first reason is, um, is that pension phase um, funds, um, the earnings, the investment earnings are exempt um, from income income tax yeah, well for those funds. Yeah, that's a big thing. Um, that's right. That's, yeah. that's the biggest thing. And, you know, how do we go about this limit? Obviously, the legislation doesn't set a specific uh, figure. It just creates this um, this so-called transfer balance account and creates rules for uh, um, debits and credits to that account. Essentially, whenever somebody starts a pension, there is a credit to that account. Mm. Now, some now the the same person might later on want to withdraw a lump sum. Here is the debit. So it sets a, sets a tracking uh, tracking device really for um, uh, for seeing how how much um, of a of a pension phase an individual has um, yeah. accessed. So I understand that the current limit or the limit for the upcoming year is going to be 1.6 million. So how about if Steve, with his extremely successful self-managed <laughs> super fund, he's got 1.8 or 1.9 million dollars sitting in pension phase? What happens then? Well, the that's where the some of the transitionals transitional rules come into place. So it is expected that individuals by 1st of July. Uh, will um, reduce their pensions uh, to the extent needed to comply with a 1.6 transfer balance cap. Mm. Because essentially, um, people are only allowed uh, up to 1.6 million in fa- pension phase. You have right. you can have unlimited funds in accumulation fa- yeah, phase yeah. overall, mm. but those in pension phase only limited to 1.6. Can, can I ask, I don't know whether I'm getting ahead of the, where you're going, Dennis, but um, just from a practical point of view, and, and um, this is like we're having a conversation. I mean, listen, you know, why wouldn't you have an SMSF if you work here? But uh, Dennis and I perhaps have conversations in the corner, and I suppose you're all listening in, but I have to not swear at the government as we're having a conversation. <laughs> um, come July 1, I want to transfer 1.6, say 1.59 million over, um, but in the week it takes for it to happen. So what if earnings take me over the 1.6 million? I mean, is there a mechanism to, you know, so I'm not penalised for going over that amount? Um, well, the... When when you transfer funds to pension phase, yep. that's that's um, at that very time the um, the amount is um, valued right. or gauged. You know, if if due to market movements, it happens to be more or less. Right. That's that's what it is. So usually, when you request a pension, oh, it, yep. it you actually specify how much funds you want to put into the. Pension okay, phase. so there's some control there. Yeah, it's it's fairly it's fairly controlled on on the um, on the date when you request the trustee to start the pension. Right. But you your question actually pointed to a very important thing here is that you know the timing is going to be much more important here because um, because the credits and debits to the transfer balance account it actually uh, important which date yep. they arise on. So there will be much more real-time reporting due to these uh, new rules and new laws. And okay. that's, that's something that you already mentioned in these draft rulings. Okay. 
Now, we have a lot of real-time reporting happening in other areas of tax as well. Absolutely. So a lot of our listeners will know that single-touch payroll will be coming in very soon for oh, yeah. almost all employers and businesses. And that's another example, like Dennis was saying, of the government instituting more real-time reporting. Mm. Mm. Yeah, and so what it might translate for fund trustees is that whenever a member starts a pension, they'll have to report it real time to the ATO, so the credit will be checked. Okay. Now, um, we understand that the new superannuation laws don't just affect the individual or the superannuant, but also for super funds. So tell us, Dennis, about these transitional CGT rules or CGT relief for super funds. Well, the CGT relief is is there really to alleviate any future sort of tax li- uh, liabilities due to um, sale of assets. So if, if uh, pensioners right now, um, by pensioners I mean su- recipients of superannuation pensions, if they sell assets now, they would be exempt mm-hmm. um, from tax on those sales uh, based on their either actuarial percentage or according to the segregation in their fund. But obviously by limiting the amount of funds in pension phase, um, not all the assets will, not all asset sales will be exempt from income tax. So essentially, the relief resets the cost base um, of CGT assets to the market value um, either in 30th of June or when segregation stops in the fund. So basically these transitional CGT relief rules are just to make it a bit more fair upon transition if the if assets do need to be sold to meet the new requirements. Yeah, exactly. And the, the assets will, will, will need to be moved from pension to accumulation phase for, for in, in cases of those people who have very large sup, um, pension balances, mm. like over 1.6 million. Mm. So... Um, and in t- on a point of fairness here, there is um, there are several mentions in the draft uh, guidelines about an- application of anti-avoidance rules, mm. and that's going to be something uh, fairly significant for for these CGT relief provisions because um, because the potentially this relief can be um, manipulated and used. Uh, to greater extent, it can be used just to refresh cost basis of all the assets. So all of a sudden, uh, mm-hmm. most of the assets will have their cost basis, um, let's say, uh, 20th of June 2017. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or, or on 30th of June, all of the assets might get a refresh because the person decides to stop all pensions altogether. Right. Mm-hmm. So there is, uh, there is a lot of... Um, well, there is a fair amount of guidance provided in the guidelines as well as in the explanatory memorandum, but essentially it doesn't, it does not uh, remove all the grey areas. No, yes. no, but, no, all the loopholes it seems. Um, well, it's it because of the self-assessment s- system we have. It will be on the taxpayers. It, the onus will be on taxpayers to show that they use the CGT relief only to comply mm. with the transfer balance okay. cap. Right. Yeah. So the warning sign is really for super funds, use the relief because it's there for you to access, mm. but don't overreach right. and don't get too greedy. Okay. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. for instance, like there is a pensioner with $3 million in pension and it's supported by two assets in the fund, <laughs> yeah, two properties, each of $1.5 million. Yeah. So yeah. one would assume that, uh, you know, moving one of those properties 
um, out of the pension phase um, into accumulation phase and reducing pension from 3 million to 1.5, that would be all right. It, mm. It's just mm. under the balance. And because there are only two assets, well, you can't really, um, you know, really allocate half an asset or, no, or three quarter quarters of it. Of it. Yeah. yeah. But then if that same pension removed both, just stopped all the pensions all altogether and moved pr both properties to accumulation, well, that that might not be quite appropriate within uh, the way the rules are drafted. No, I see. Mm -hmm. oh now, another uh, key term that I've been hearing a lot lately is the total superannuation balance. Now, I understand that this concept of a total superannuation balance is relevant for determining whether somebody is eligible for various things, including the new concessional contributions cap carry forward and the non-concessional contributions cap and the bring forward of that cap, also for the government co-contribution and also for the tax offset for spouse contributions. Now, Dennis, could you tell us a little bit more about this total superannuation balance, which is so important to so many aspects? Yeah, look, the all different... Um concessions as well as eligibility of contributions are tested now so uh, presumably people with very large balances should not be accessing mm -hmm. those things now the total super balance it's i guess the name is is um apparently simple while actually calculating it requires several steps uh, we have transfer balance account involved and unfortunately in calculating total super balance, the transfer balance account gets modified again. I mean, we're not going to go into mm -hmm. nitty gritty yeah. here, but it's it's uh, it's not straightforward. I mean, it's it might not only be straightforward for people who are accumulating only. Then it's just the value the value of their um, accumulation. Um, superannuation interests mm. as at the year end, but once once a person starts a pension um, or receive, let's say, a structured uh, settlement, mm. then it gets a bit more complicated than that, um, because you know various uh, transfer credits and transfer debits need to be disregarded, etc. But um, on the other hand, it's also imp important to um, to be aware of values that are on the 30th of June in the fund. So we have different unlisted investments for which values are not readily available. Oh, of course. Let's say, you know, you have unlisted uh, managed uh, trusts and the and valuation actually comes comes out somewhere in September. Yeah, yeah. So you mm -hmm. don't know until then what your balance was on 30th of June. So you're sort of tied in what you can do. So there are a lot of really practical considerations for calculating this balance. Now, that's the uh, ATO guidelines, which is in LCG 2016 D12. Does it give practical guidance? For example, does it give practical examples? Or, um, or, or does the ATO comment on any practical tips? Well, the examples provided in the guideline are practical to the point of calculating the balance itself. However, mm -hmm. there is no um, sort of guidance in terms of um, situations where valuations will, mm, are not sure. available at the point in time, mm. uh, where perhaps uh, there is even difficulty with obtaining valuations for certain um, uh, private investments, unlisted investments. Um, so it it's sort of it's the explanations are quite uh, mechanical in the sense they just cover the working of the law mm. itself and mm. not practical 
uh, issues surrounding the grey areas, yeah. so to speak. I always find the yeah. ATO's case studies helpful with that. I, I mm. don't know. I just like case studies. I suppose in maybe in twelve months time or eighteen months time when taxpayers have had to do a lot more of this in practice in, yeah. in real life, uh, then the ATO may be able to shed a bit more well, light. That's right. Yes, it but in the cases will come out of the woodwork. Sure, but in, but in the meantime, it looks like the guidelines get us part of the way there. They give us a bit of guidance, yeah. a bit of a nudge in the right direction, <laughs> but we're not completely there yet. We're not completely there. Oh, it's, it's, it's fascinating and it, it is complex. Um, it's, uh, you reminded me actually that we, um, Tax and Super Australia, are holding a webinar on Feb 8, which I'm, I'm going to listen into. I think listeners would be well advised to as well, called SMSF Changes, Where Are We Now? So February 8, uh, if you want to find more, go to the homepage. Halfway down, there's a support button. Click on that and that'll show you all the upcoming webinars. I think we'd all be well advised to go along. I'm going, I'm going to have a listen in. Of course, I'll get a discount as a member. <laughs> so that's good. Um, all right, Dennis, thank you very much for all that explanation. It's uh, revealed a lot of, um, cl clarified a lot for me, but uh, also raised some more questions. And thank you, Leda, for, for your contributions. Thank you, listeners, for being here again. And we'll be back with you next week. <laughs>